Welcome to Winning Is Not Everything, where we bring sanity back to youth sports by focusing on character development, effort, and sportsmanship, not rankings and trophies. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, former NFL reporter, children's book author, and youth sports coach. When someone makes a change in their career, I often tell them I'm excited to see how their next chapter unfolds. Because I did just that, going from an NFL reporter to the litany of roles that I serve in now. Many people reach out to get my advice and insight. Most are scared and nervous, and my encouragement is approach the change with optimism and excitement. Well, my guest today has made one of the coolest transitions, and I caught up with him after a defining moment in his fascinating life. What are we waiting for? Let's jump in. Team Snap is the presenting sponsor of the Winning Is Not Everything podcast. As you start thinking about your spring sports season, the Team Snap app can help you spend more time focusing on coaching and less time worrying about the team management side of things. Even in this preseason time, coaches can use the app to start building relationships with players and parents through the messaging features. Plus, once your spring schedule's ready, put it on the app for parents to easily sync to their calendars. Download the TeamSnap app in your mobile app store or visit teamsnap.com slash winning for more information. When I covered the NFL, the press boxes weren't the most diverse working environments, especially for Asian males. So it's easy for me to strike up a conversation with Ebenezer Samuel when he was covering the New York Giants for the New York Daily News. But even that first meeting foreshadowed a bold decision he would later make. Before we talk about that though, I want you to hear Eb's childhood stories, ones I'm hearing for the first time myself, and one I could definitely relate to in several ways. Let's get to it. I am so excited to have as my guest today an old friend of mine, Ebenezer Samuel. Eb, thank you so much for joining me. Hey, how's it going? It's been a, been a long time. I want to say it's, what, 10, 12 years since we uh, played basketball in the Market Square Arena. Man, oh man. Yeah, and I, I've, I've since retired from basketball, by the way. And you know how much I loved it, but I, I had to step away. You know, honestly, I, I believe it was 2019, November 2019, and I'd had a friend suffer a torn Achilles, and then I was on my way to my uh, favorite pickup game Wednesday morning at 6 a.m., and I was just a few minutes it's late and I walk in and another friend of mine who I'd been playing with for like 14 years, I watched him like crumple on no contact and suffer a serious knee injury. And I had to take him to the hospital and then he didn't have an orthopedic surgeon. So I had to connect him with one of my friends who was an orthopedic surgeon and just sort of being there with him at some of those appointments and seeing that recovery he tore his ACL and a part of his uh, one other ligament and his was like a, a year-long recovery and just seeing some of those friends suffer those serious injuries I was just like you know what I, I literally can't afford to be sidelined for months but tell me a little bit about your story like where are you from I, I really don't remember that and I'm, I was excited to ask you that and sort of just get that on record but tell me a little bit about your childhood and your family growing up yeah it's, it's wild we never really did talk about that we just we we played basketball uh swapped nfl contacts a lot right i was born in new jersey um grew up in pennsylvania my mom is a uh, chinese my dad's indian they both came over from malaysia so i'm first generation here 
Um, my dad's story is actually much cooler than mine because he came over, he had polio when he was very young, but he, I think he's going to be 79 this year. And he was born at a time where they didn't have the polio vaccine. So by the time he came over here, he's a very dark Indian looking guy who could not walk. His legs were pretty jacked up. So I grew up, I never really had the dad who, you know, we didn't play catch. We didn't, you know, my dad never beat me one-on-one in basketball anything like that because he couldn't move that way, you know, but still was like probably the greatest dad in the world and probably the strongest person I know in terms of, you know, working two jobs, working three jobs. He, he really valued education for himself. Mm. So I think he has something like without exaggeration, this is not tabloid, like, you know, five or six different degrees, you know, and, and that's the house I was raised in. My mom was, you know, the standard Chinese mom. So, you know, I can play the piano, I can play the trumpet, you know, I can, I can do gymnastics. You know, but completely didn't understand the weight room, the gym, anything like that. She's like, why do you have to do so many pushups? This is really, really annoying because she would much (laughs) have rather been, I think she thought I was going to be, you know, a concert pianist, which was not going to happen for 8 million reasons. I was not a very good athlete growing up. I think the athleticism was there, but it took me a while to tap it, have confidence in it, understand it because we moved (laughs) around a lot. My dad wound up his main career was being a pastor. And so we would go from kind of church to church to church. In addition to, you know, he would, again, valued education very highly. So he would serve as an adjunct at a variety of different universities. Princeton drew some smaller schools in Pennsylvania. Um, So we moved around a lot. Mm -hmm. So that made it kind of a little bit challenging to kind of uh, make friends. Also, on some level, I think if you're not an elite talent on the sports field, it helps to develop chemistry with those around you. And that can be a key to how you kind of survive on the team. And I didn't get to do that because we moved around a lot. Eventually came to kind of settle in Pennsylvania, grew up there, you know, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I wound up going to college and this was my first degree. I wound up going to college for accounting. And the reason I went for accounting is because that's a very, very Asian, you know, that's a very, very Asian, very safe thing to do. I remember I wasn't really sure in my mind, I thought I was going to college for accounting, but I went to a very, very small division three school called uh, Eastern Mennonite University. And I went to that no name small school because in my mind i was like well they're division three so i'm you know i'm pretty good at basketball in my town like i can crush a game with 21. i can win a couple games of one-on-one we played three on three on when we play, when we play three on three at the school when there's like six people to choose from i'm really really good so i can blossom into in my mind i was a very big fan of the nba i was like i can blossom into you know i'll, I'll be a d3 player i'll get you know this was the time of what i think uh Devin George or a little bit after that. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, Devin George came from D3 and he plays for the Lakers. So, you know, I'll get seen, I'll get, I'll walk on to Kentucky two years later. I'll play two years at Kentucky and then I'll be on my way to the NBA. Thing I didn't realize, well, thing I didn't want to realize is that I'm only 5'9", 5'10". So, so the likelihood of that percentage wise is also even lower. Um, you have to be a spectacular athlete. You have to know what you're doing. And I just wasn't very good. I wound up having that awakening that I wasn't very good. At the same time, I'm in school for accounting and I kind of don't know how to, you know, just switch majors. I almost didn't have that. You know, to me, it's like you start something, you finish it. So I wound up finishing out four years of accounting, got that degree, and then completely realized this isn't what I want to do because I've always kind of 
admired. I mean, I grew up on sports and I've mm-hmm. always kind of admired that world. And I wasn't quite sure um, how to get there. So what I wound up doing is I, I came home, I spent a couple of months trying to find myself. My mom did a lot more push-ups. My mom was not happy about that. And then I went back to school for, I went to Syracuse for a very intensive journalism program. They have a one-year mm-hmm. program. You get a master's out of it. And I went back to school because in my mind, I think, again, I'm growing up on ESPN, the magazine, growing up on Sports Illustrated and growing up on fitness. I always found fitness to kind of be a little bit like an answer for everything, because especially when you move around a lot, the one thing, you know, it can be hard to make friends. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that's kind of cool is if you, you know, if you can find a way to hit your pushups, right, there's, there's something almost redeeming about that. And it's something completely controllable, right? Like you can't necessarily mm-hmm. control how much kids like you or, you know, I remember one argument I had with when I was, I think in sixth or seventh grade, I couldn't even control what my favorite sports team was allowed to be, right? But you can control your effort when you choose to work out. And students also is a lot more problem solving than anything Mm -hmm. um, in a different way, which, you know, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about later. But because of all that, you know, I was very, very into fitness, very, very into sports, right? You know, they say sports are very egalitarian. Um, again, it didn't necessarily work out that way for me because I'm not the greatest athlete, but um, I was very into that and I wanted to find a way to get to that world. So my answer to that was, I really don't like this accounting degree. Let me go to school for journalism for one year. Hopefully, maybe I can get lucky and mm-hmm. I can, you know, cover sports, write about sports. And one, that'll be fun. That's as close as I may be able to get to the game, right? And then two, the other thing I've always really, really been fascinated by and loved is superheroes. I think the reason I like superheroes is because, you know, that I mean, they're they're amazing, great bodies, right? Can do all these amazing things. I think the two places in, in real life that we come to superheroes, the closest we can come is one, the military. I mean, those are the guys who are, you know, on some level, like out there actually saving us from things. But two, it's athletes, right? You know, you look at the amazing, whether it's Michael Jordan or Kobe or LeBron, like flying through the air, staying up there for two to three seconds, or, um, you know, whether it's Odell Beckham making that really amazing one-handed catch a good many years ago, those displays of athleticism are in another way as close as we get to superheroes. And I wanted to be able Mm to, on some level, perform certain displays of athleticism to look the part. I looked at athletes and I was like, well, that's the closest we come to it. So I want to kind of be around those guys when I'm covering sports. I'll get this really unique opportunity to talk to those guys, be close to those guys, and maybe figure out how they do what they do. And little did I know, so, so a lot of times when we were in the locker rooms, all the other journalists would be asking, you know, Victor Cruz or Eli Manning. I wound up covering the Giants, obviously. All the other journalists would ask, how did you play, you know, about cover to this or what does Tom Coughlin and the coach at the time think of that? Or, you know, you know, you got in trouble with the law. So what do you think of this? Right. And I would ask those questions because that was my job. Right. And I was Mm -hmm. trying to be good at my job. But my real agenda every time I was in the locker room was to get close to, you know, the guys who were really strong and the guys who like Victor Cruz was in really amazing shape. And I wanted to talk to them about how they trained, how they got more athletic how they got stronger, you know, Victor Cruz, what do you do for your abs? Right. I remember I asked him that once mm-hmm. and he was like, she was like, come on, dude. But you know, that was one of my agendas there because I really, really loved the fitness side of things. And that was, to be honest, that's um, when I think we met at the NFL combine, right? 
And mm -hmm. the reason I went to the NFL combine was because I was like, I grew up on 225 pound bench press. How many reps can you do? I would chart all that kind of stuff. And I've always kind of seen the, the game very biomechanically. What was your favorite childhood sports related memory, either as an athlete or as a fan? But what just kind of jumps out is just something from when you were a kid around sports. Hmm, that's tough. It's weird because there's a lot. I don't think it's, I don't think there was like one just, I would honestly say it was actually the journey to push-ups, right? Because it was, um, it was not easy and that's kind of the problem solving part. And that's what I love about fitness. And that's something that I was like, at the time, 12, 13, 14 years old, trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. But even then it appealed to me, right? Because the whole thing, I was a, a skinnier kid, a smaller kid, right? And so I couldn't do push-ups. Even when, you know, I, when we went to gymnastics, I really struggled to do push-ups and I couldn't figure hmm. it out because I wasn't strong enough, period, right? And so at the time, that was before like the internet was this treasure trove of, you know, just YouTube mm -hmm. and figure it out, which is nuts for, I feel like you and I understand that, but a lot of people are like, what? But wow. I had to kind of figure it out. My dad gave me this old book when I started doing fitness. It was literally a book from like the 1950s on like, mm -hmm. you know, the, the hundred exercises that like every guy should need to know. And it didn't really help me, right? Um, I was trying to figure this out, trying to figure this out, couldn't do it. And then I remember ESPN had those, um, you remember ESPN had these shows on like body shaping and all this other weird, Yeah. it was like 6am stuff that like nobody in their right mind enjoyed, but you know, I was kind of, uh, <laughs> I was kind of into it. And I remember there was this one time they had the women on there doing pushups off their knees. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, obviously that's not the ideal way that in my mind, I'm like, well, I, I don't need to do that. But then I was also like, well, I can't do push-ups, so maybe I do, right? So I started actually doing, by doing those. And then I remember like a month after that, I'm doing these push-ups on my knees. I still can't do a full push-up, but I can suddenly, my body can handle the load of the push-ups on my knees. And so I was like, how do I kind of figure out what comes next, right? And then I watched, I think, Rocky, um, and he's doing one-arm push-ups, right? And this is completely irrational, okay? but he's doing one arm push-ups. So I'm like, well, I'm going to do one arm push-ups off of my knees because in theory, that's double the load per arm. Right. Um, <laughs> so I was doing these one arm push-ups like Rocky style off my knees, um, because I couldn't do a full push-up. but then eventually, so I used that and I figured out the better way is to, um, change heights, right? If you put your hands on something higher, suddenly there's a lot less load. This was also the time where I was in, in high school, um, and I was starting to get into physics, right? I'm starting to understand how gravity works. If I'm a little bit higher, it's not, if I can change my levers, um, stuff like that. Stuff that I still apply today, to be honest. And then eventually, I think by the time I was like 15, 16 years old, I was able to consistently do push-ups. And I think because of the amount of hard work mm -hmm. it took, but then also the fact that it was, it was a lot of hard work, but it was also very linear, right? Like I started at a point and I was able to get to a point. And to be honest, I could, I could have progressed faster if I had YouTube. But, you know, I was able to get there. And I think that was one of the most satisfying things I got to do very early on. What 
what was one of the milestones? Was there a certain number that, you know, you could do in a row that was very satisfying for you to reach, you know, 50, 100, anything like that? Yeah, well, my mind was very, my mind was very simple. At the, at the, it's weird because my mind was super simple at the time, but it still kind of borrows from those same progressions. Mm -hmm. The only number that I could that fit in my head was 100, right? So I would always try yeah. to do, I would basically try to get to a hundred reps of whatever style I was doing, whether it was just a knee push up or like the the crazy Rocky style single arm knee push up for the push up on on an elevation, I would try to get to a hundred. I would take as long as I needed to get there because doing a hundred good push ups, if you can if you can do those, takes a while anyway, and and isn't easy, right? Um, you shouldn't be able to do those consecutively unless you're doing them wrong, right? But um, I would just do the best, I, like when I needed to take a break, I would. I would take like 10 to 15 seconds. Then I would go back and do another couple of reps, right? But I remember my first set of 10 push-ups, when they were full push-ups, when I had good control over them, my first set of 10 push-ups was something special because I realized what I'd done to accomplish that. Wow, that's so cool. Now, did you play sports growing up, like organized sports? Uh, very limited organized sports because again, we yeah. moved around a lot. And yeah. I think there were, there were a couple reasons for that. One, because we moved around a lot. Two, because even when I went to, when I went to high school, I remember I was really, really excited, hopeful to, uh, to make the basketball team. Right. Mm -hmm. But I was there freshman year. I didn't make the cut freshman year because literally like every kid in my entire, it was a very, I think my graduating class was something like 90 or hundred kids or something like that. Every single guy went out for the basketball team. So couldn't take everybody. So I didn't make the, uh, the basketball team, but then I got homeschooled the next two years. Um, mm -hmm. my senior year, I was, um, I was hoping to again, make the basketball team, but then that's harder. Cause you're not necessarily coming from, um, you know, you don't have the chemistry with the other guys who have played three years mm -hmm. together. Was in tryouts, but actually didn't get the chance. And I had a lot of athleticism back then. Like I couldn't dunk, but I could get, I could get up and like hang on the rim and do some cool stuff like that. But um, I broke my leg actually a month before the season started. How difficult was that to deal with such a major injury at such a young age? But so I had crashed my car and um, yeah, it was a break, a clean break across the, um, your thigh bone, your femur. It was definitely a little bit frustrating. I was already into the gym by then. And I remember not being able to do any of that stuff for a little bit. But then I started to, you know, I would on my crutches go down to the basement and experiment anyway, even trying to figure out how to train around that injury. Um, it's because I, I was like, I was like, oh my God, if I miss, I'm going to, you know, the doctor said I'm going to miss four weeks. If I miss four weeks, I'm not going to make the basketball team, but I'm also going to lose all the muscle that I, you know, because I built so much muscle over the last like three months of my life. Um, I can't lose that. So, uh, trying to find, but trying to find ways to train around that was actually, um, again, it's problem solving. Cause I think that's a lot of what fitness is. I was able to, to, to kind of figure it out. So it, it was definitely frustrating, but I think I took some lessons from it. That's so cool. We all know that sports is an important building block for today's youth. Sports teach kids valuable life lessons, leadership, teamwork, perseverance, and much more. But today's youth face more pressure than ever before, in the classroom, at home, and even on the field. TeamSnap, the presenting sponsor of Winning Is Not Everything, will be hosting a webinar on mental health in youth sports. On June 29th at 1 p.m., I will have a conversation with Minnesota Vikings linebacker Brian Asamoah on his experience with mental health in youth, college, and professional sports. 
An advocate, Asamoah brings a unique perspective to the table as he discusses his own experience with mental health and the importance of prioritizing mental health in youth sports. Check out our social media for more details. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Winning Is Not Everything. Please make sure to like the podcast and subscribe to the podcast so you can immediately get the latest episode. Also, I've launched a new newsletter, the Youth Sports Sanctuary, which aims to provide a safe space to ask questions and engage in discussions on the important challenges and issues in youth sports. Before I close though, my presenting sponsor, Team Snap and I, are thrilled to present our Coach of the Month. We want to shine the spotlight on coaches and youth sports who are making a positive impact on young student athletes. And we want to recognize Dante Prevet, who leads the planning and execution of coach education initiatives for the Philadelphia Youth Sports Collaborative. Among many other roles, Dante is the creator of NFL Flag Philly, and he's in his 15th year of coaching tackle and flag football, rugby, lacrosse, and basketball. Congratulations, Dante. Last but not least, I want to thank my presenting sponsor, TeamSnap, the go-to app to help you have a successful spring sports season. Until next time, I'm Sean Jensen.